act that you've accepted us in the beloved of God those who are close to you we're the family of God we belong to your inner circle the ones that you want to draw near to you thank you so much for the privilege of being your child and having this time with you we give it over to you teach us what you want us to know about our covenant about us about you whatever it is that's on your heart to share today lord share it with us and we thank you for it in jesus name amen praise god We're going to finish talking about the promise of the Father because that's so important for us to understand. I just really love concepts that tie us into reality of relationship to God. It's it's not just some, uh, what we have in the Bible is not history, it's not just historical facts. But this is a living word. It's a covenant and it's a document, a legal document that uh, talks about God's dealings with us, his legal dealings with us, what's lawful. And when God gave the Ten Commandments, those were laws pertaining to how we were to live on earth as as covenant people with him. And so there are, are um, legal ramifications of it. There are relationship ramifications of it. It really covers all of human need. And it covers God's dealings with humanity since the time of our creation. And so it's real important for us to understand who God is in relationship to humanity. And how God makes himself real to us. How he makes himself known to us. There's some essential parts to this covenant that we need to make note of and and understand and appreciate the value of those things. And I think one of those things having to do with relationship is that God is a God who makes promises to us gives us his word and so his word relates to his relationship with us Uh, very much we can rely on God's word if we will Position the word where God tells us to. He tells us to hide it in your heart. Not just give mental agreement to it. Know how you can you can hear something and you like the way it sounds. For instance, if if you hear that uh, Jay Z is worth uh, twelve billion dollars, you like that, but that ain't your money. <laughs> It's the same thing. It ain't hers neither. <laughs> we got prenups, postnups, and unnups. <laughs> you understand? It sounds good, but it ain't yours. And that's the same way with the Word of God. You can sit and listen to the Word, and it sounds good, but in order to make it yours, you got to do something with it. Now, God's Word is the one thing that we can possess make our own and get benefit of it jay-z's money you will never possess i don't care how much you like the way that sounds and meditate on that and figure out ways to go get some of it it will never be yours it's not promised to you so the things that god have has for us are are ours by promise and the holy spirit is the spirit of promise he is the promise of the father so the holy spirit actually makes real all things that god speaks makes it real he is 
attached to every promise that God has made to humanity. It is put in force by the Holy Spirit. It's made real by the Holy Spirit. It's it's uh, a, a activity in your life is precipitated by the Holy Spirit. He's the agent of the promise. Everything that God has in store for us is packaged up in him. In Matthew 3 yesterday we read this. Verse 11. uh, John the Baptist is preaching to the people. He said I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. In other words when they came to John. And they were wanting the life that God gave them. There were some steps you had to go through. And if you think the preaching we have nowadays sometimes is a little hard. If you had to listen to John preach you you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but he would, he would tell people to bring fruit worthy of repentance. In other words show me that you you know nowadays we just grab people's hands and pray with them but when John preached he said bring forth fruits meat for repentance in other words you gotta show me so you gotta show me you're ready to turn your life around and so it was a serious thing and it is a serious thing it has to do with your eternal uh, fate where you will live eternally and so John was one who says I baptize you with water unto repentance amen but he that comes after me is mightier than I whose shoes I am not worthy to bear he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire we said one translation says the Holy Ghost of fire and so when we talked about the Holy Ghost the fire of the Holy Spirit it burns on the altar of our hearts that that when he lives inside of us it makes our hearts an altar and so God then begins to minister over our hearts so that our hearts are purified and we can easily receive the word of God it's easy to receive God's word on a purified altar It's easy for the gifts of God to be received on a purified altar. If the altar is not purified then there's a resistance to the word of God. Yeah, some people, uh, you know, they they don't want to hear that. You know, if you don't repent of your sins, you can't go to heaven. You'll go to hell. They don't want to hear that. So when when your heart's purified, the altar of your heart is purified. You can hear that, and it doesn't upset you. You know, even if even if sometimes you're in doubt of your own salvation, when you hear that, it's it's easy to be entreated because it's the truth of God's word. So. The Holy Spirit enables us to hear and receive and embrace the word of God. Even though sometimes we're in violation of that word. You know you can sometimes uh, you know people who uh, when they're saved or newly saved. I remember thinking about what if I've done this or what can he really forgive me of this. And there was doubt 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 about it. But I was still anxious to hear more of the good news because what I'd heard so far was good for me. 
I wasn't doing it all right, but that kind of didn't matter because what, what where your heart is, your heart is your innermost being, the core of you, the part of you that's the most important part. And this part that does wrong is just flesh, you know, it's just hanging on the outside. And so you kind of get the impression, man, if I could just get it on on the inside, this is where I really need it. The outer will take care of itself. See, if you really take it to heart the outer will take care of itself and so this is the way we live for God this is how the Holy Spirit enables us to receive the promises because certainly many of the promises we don't have working in our life we would love to have them working in our lives but we just don't have it all together but yet we're not condemned because of what we don't have because he enables us to see a better future if we'll receive that word see if you let that word come in and settle in on you then it becomes your future and where you're at right now does not condemn you because your heart's purified by the Holy Spirit. You got me? This thing has to work right or we'll be a, a mass of trouble. See, if this thing doesn't work right, the word of God will bring us more trouble than it brings us comfort and hope. You understand? And so it has to work right in order for for us to be able to make progress, for us to be able to look for a better day and a better time, for us to be able to look forward to prosperity and increase. Uh, this This thing has to work that way. So you can be short of the word of God and be glad to hear that there's hope for you because of the Holy Spirit. You understand what I'm saying? You, you, you'll know that you're in violation of God's word but somehow that conviction that comes there's hope at the end of it because you see the possibility that you can line up with the word of God. So you can measure up. And so this is how the Holy Spirit connects us to the promises of God. He makes the promises available. He makes them known. He makes them real. He makes them attainable. It's all good. It's all good news. Even though it, it convicts you of the things that you do that don't, where you don't measure up. You still have an open door of hope in that you can can uh, see that there's a future there for you in that you're able to measure up to the word of God. You can obey the word of God. So it's not like, you know, we <clears throat> many times in growing up, we were given a final opportunity for certain things you know uh, parents say well if you don't you don't uh, you got one more time to get on my nerves over there <laughs> you know what I'm saying <laughs> so there's always an end to earthly things there's always an end to human things but with God there's no end to it you always have I tell people I said it's never too late for you to get healed you just listen and embrace that word quit pushing that word off and listen to and embrace that word that that word will buy you time faith in that word will buy time for you once that word is planted inside your heart it's got to grow it'll start growing and once it starts growing you push death off and you push sickness off for another hour or two hours or three hours or another day or another month or whatever but always embrace that word because that word bringing life to you also brings time to you 
If it's going to extend your life down here on earth, it's got to bring time with it. You see what I'm saying? And so that word always purchases for us everything that we need to see that promise come to pass. You know, death is not a healing. I remember crazy people saying stuff like that when I was, uh, you know, in churches where they didn't believe, they didn't understand anything. You know, it's not that they couldn't. (laughs) Many times they condemned the preachers that preach divine health and healing. So you shut the door to your help. You know, you're going to be stuck in your ignorance. But but you know, we they would say things like, "Well, well, death is a form of healing." No, it isn't. No, it isn't. You ask the lady that 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 Jesus raised her son from the dead. If if dead him laying in that coffin was the same thing as him walking out of it, and she'll tell you that ain't true. And so, when people want to be healed, they know what they want, and they're not asking for us to pray for them to go to heaven. That's gonna happen anyway. But when you pray for a healing, you interrupt the normal process that's already taken place that brings destruction and injury to that person's body you interrupt that you put a stop to it if you're praying in faith you put a stop to that destructive process that was going on in that person's body and people feel it you have people go home from Benny Hinn left and right walking where they were in the wheelchair the tumors are shrinking all that kind of stuff if they keep going after Jesus and after the word that's been deposited they'll get that healing but what happens is they go back to the dumb church they came out of they people steal it from them with that ignorance that atmosphere cannot support life all of that you disconnect from life support the process stops but you can't say that wasn't their healing beginning to manifest when they were there it was you can stop anything with the word of God you can stop any destructive process with God's word the minute you start to put God's word into that situation that process begins to reverse what we've got to do is start having knowing what confidence in God's word is and continue with the word instead of stopping to see what that word did and judging God's word based on what we see this isn't a visible thing. This is an invisible thing. Faith is always that way. You don't have to see anything to believe God. You have to see nothing. <laughs> but what that word starts to allow to manifest. And so that word will, will, will do that. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit. To activate the word of God. Bring life to the word of God. The Holy Spirit will prompt you to speak the word of God it will prompt you to grab onto the word of God and believe God for difficulties in your life because he comes with the promise of better things he comes with the promise of a completed work that, that there's nothing for you to do to but to hold on to your believing God you must hold on to that can't let your mind wander and Thinking other dumb stuff, and you do that all the time. You know what I'm saying? Give yourself, bring your brain a break. <laughs> you know, give your brain something to make it grow and and stretch itself, and and uh, you know, complete your life through what you're able to. Um, to get from God's word what you're able to visualize from his word so the Holy Spirit brings the promise of better things to come it's always better things to come whenever God's involved it can only get better folks
The illusion sometimes of things getting worse comes from the enemy. Hmm? Because there's somebody here to answer the word every time you speak it. Come on now, you know. uh, People, you know, you you try to help people and they always got an answer for you. You know, some old religious answer. And those things block the word of God. You know, just... And it's like, man, can you just shut up and hear what I'm saying and receive what God has for you? You know, this isn't a contest about who knows the most about anything. But religion will always make it that way. You know, they always got some, you know, I was speaking with somebody and, and uh, I said, well, I would like to, to pray with you if you want me to pray. Oh, yeah, you know, we can always use prayer. Hmm? It's pride. That's all it is. Pride. Somebody offers to pray. You tell them what's wrong. Because you want to hit that thing. You know somebody takes their time and calls you and offers to pray. You need to be honest and let them hit that thing for you. So that you can get up off your bed of affliction. You know you don't want to block it. But we can always use prayer. You know you serve them a nice ball. Slam it back over and yell. I can always use prayer. So you can hear it whiz by your ear. Man, all I did was offer, you know. And they'll even tell you, God, I was asking God to have somebody call me. I just wasn't feeling good today. And it, big man of religion raises up real quick. You know? But God, you know. You know, there must be something he can do in all of that. You know, it would be so much easier if we could just let God have his way. Let the Holy Spirit in there so that he can help and he can bring that promise to pass for us. So we said that the Holy Spirit really unites us with Jesus and the Father. Amen. He ties heaven to earth. We need a tie between heaven and earth because it's hot down here. It's bad down here. It's evil down here. And it's wicked down here. And so we need a tie. Something to tie us into heaven. Which is our real home. So the Holy Spirit brings with him the atmosphere of heaven. He brings the attitude of heaven. He brings the possibilities of heaven. Because he brings life as it really is and not as we just wish it would be one day he gives you the sense that there is a place where your answer resides where it's alive and well right now see it's not a wish where you're hoping God will do something for you but you're not sure the Holy Spirit gives us reassurance he assures us and reassures us of God's love and his provision and his promise he also pursues us and stirs us up to do the will of God he says I will never leave you and never forsake you the word forsake really refers to a person who has a need and they're depending upon someone and that someone refuses to help them that's what forsaking is. Forsaking really means that you have uh, uh, an expectation of a performance from that individual. Based on what they've told you. Based on their word. 
There's an expectation of performance from that individual and they refuse to do their part. God said I'm not that guy. I will never forsake you in life in the things that you need. I have told you I'm going to do this for you. There will never come a time where I'll tell you I won't do it. I can't do it. And it, or if there are circumstances that prohibit him from doing it, he'll help you to make your circumstances right. See, many times our faith falls short of approval. And he'll lead you into greater faith. It's just, he'll just start to help you to get it together so that your faith can do the job that needs to be done for your promise to come to pass. So he goes beyond not forsaking us. He even goes into being the power behind our words. The power behind our thoughts. The power behind all of the He empowers us to get it together so that we can get what we need from him there are laws that God has to obey in order to bless us folks it just don't fall down from heaven because we smile and and haven't done anything bad in a couple hours or thought anything bad in a couple hours there are laws he has to do these things legally huh and our faith must come up to the level where he approves it so that we can have what we desire from him. It has to be his his faith. The Abraham brand of faith. Hopes against hope. Withstands the pressures and the wiles and the deception of the enemy. It has to be that brand of faith. Because it takes that brand of faith to sustain it in your life. You don't want things to come and go in your life. You want them to remain. And so God will give us the type of faith that we need to have those things remain in our lives. The the um, the woman that had the daughter that that was sick, you know, that was wasn't there with her, but she wanted Jesus to heal the daughter, and uh, you know he he. First he denied the woman. He said, oh, I'm only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. And, and she, you know, said, well, you know, uh, you know, well, Lord, she tried him again, you know, worshipped him. She kept bugging him. See, she wouldn't let him go. If he had said, I'm only sent to the lost sheep of Israel, she walked away. Her faith, see, wasn't at the level where it needed to be to get what she needed from God. But... She pursued him because she knew he had her answer. That's all God's looking for us folks is pursuit. Just keep coming back. Don't take no for an answer. Don't just shrug your shoulders, feel sorry for yourself, go sit down somewhere and nurse your wounds. He doesn't like that kind of stuff. That's not faith. He tells this lady, you know, he tells her to go away. The disciples want to push her around and rough her up. and You know, all that stuff. Bad ushering. <laughs> you know, ushers always like to get rough with people <laughs> and bustle people around in the house of God. But she she came back and, and she began to worship him and and he again he almost insults her. He says, It's not right for me to take the children's bread and give it to dogs. In other words, this is for the children of God. And some men her said, who do you think you are? 
And who the, I'm a child of God. He said, she said, listen, it might be for the kids, but I'm a dog. If you make me a dog, I can get the crumbs off the table. Heal my daughter. You got the power to do it? Do it. And Jesus said, oh, great is your faith. Huh? Great is your faith. You know, God has a way to provoke faith out of us. Oh, and we need to be thankful. See, he'll let you get sick enough, mad enough, frustrated enough of something to well down deep inside of you and say, God, I'm still, I'm not going to, I'm not going to feel sorry for myself today about this. I'm going to rise up and demand what you say you're going to do for me. You understand? And put the responsibility on him for bringing it to pass for you. You got me? You put the responsibility on him because you are believing as best you know how. You know there's some mixture in there. There's some nonsense in there. But keep working at it and it will it'll come away as, as pure faith and you'll be able to receive what it is that you need from God. Don't ever go away and say God couldn't do that for you. It wasn't for you. Maybe you were mistaken. Maybe it was for somebody else. Yada yada. He he will not forsake you. He will not do it. He will never tell you, promise you something, and then later on something goes wrong and it can't happen. That's not him. He's not doing that. That's us. We do that. Listening to the devil. Listening to your your uh, carnal flesh. Listen to excuses. You know, you, you know you don't read enough words, so why do you make that an issue in everything? Either start reading the word and get yourself together, or just say, "Well, I don't want it bad enough to pay the price." Whatever it is, you know, just just let's deal with it, get it out of the way, and let God move and work because He wants to move and work in our lives. He really wants to do that. Now, how much convincing do we need? But the Holy Spirit is our convincer. He is the one that is here to convince us because the Bible refers to him as our comforter. In John chapter 14, Jesus begins to expound and talk about, teach on the Holy Spirit. Jesus says in verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father and he'll give you another comforter. Those, that's for those who love him. It's not for people just wanting stuff. And he said that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not and neither knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and shall be in you. He's with you and in you. How much more do you need? He's with you and in you. He says I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you in the person of the Holy Spirit. And he says in that day when the Holy Spirit comes verse 20. You will know that I am in my father and you are in me and I am in you. So all, we're all just one big happy family. The Holy Spirit is the one who introduces us to the Father. He ties us in as a spiritual family. You're tied in to the Spirit of God. 
You're tied in to a family. I don't care who left you, who you can't get along with, who's not in your life anymore. You belong to a family. You belong to a family. You belong to a Christian family. One of the things that, that we don't experience enough as Christians is is the family aspect of the Christian life. You know, sometimes we're just too... To, we too, we're too accepting of each other's walls, partitions, divisions. Don't touch me. Don't do this. Don't say hi. Don't you know all that nonsense? And so we don't experience Christian fellowship the way we should. Many times you'll see people, uh, uh, and this was very common when when I was first saved, that. You would belong to a, a larger church, a larger fellowship, and probably didn't know five or ten people. If they sat consistently around you, you got to know them a little bit. But many times people would join um, what they call parachurch ministries. Uh, then they had a specific uh, vision of that ministry, a specific goal in mind. And many times their goal was simply to um, offer a place of fellowship for believers who wanted to gather around the spirit filled life you know they wanted the worship experience they wanted uh, speakers that that had gifts you know that they ministered out of they wanted the life that they saw in the book of acts by the holy spirit you had full gospel businessmen's uh, women's aglow flame fellowship all of those different then there was promise keepers and they would all have smaller group uh, atmospheres for believers to fellowship in so that you could get to know who you were as believers you get to interact with people on the level as a Christian family you began to get friends that were Christians where you couldn't get that before so you you went to church with a bunch of people but you didn't really know them and you weren't really friends with them so where do you get your friends from usually people in the world and so you wound up having to try and be friendly with people who weren't Christians because the ones in your church you really didn't know them you know you you didn't have much contact with them and so forth and so on and so and if you look at the example in the Bible that's not what sustained the early church the early church was sustained because they had all things in common they knew they were a family they knew they could count on one another they knew they could pray for one another they knew all of those things they knew and that caused them to thrive and to grow and people began to get larger in God you saw deacons begin to preach and and preach and win 5,000 people and you saw the believers faith in the believers ministry develop to a high level simply because of the lifestyle that they had as no they were a family and knowing they weren't alone this is very important for for people to recognize about themselves when you have a, a family I'm not talking about a support group I'm talking about a family support groups generally grow out of problems families grow out of solutions 
I'm going to say it again. Families do not grow out of problems. You you didn't just have a problem one day and get married to somebody and start having kids with them. You, that, that marriage came as a solution to your loneliness. It came as a solution to your desire to have a family. That was your your goal that you got to. It didn't come as a result of problems. Where support groups center around problems and issues that are hard for people to resolve, families resolve around revolve around answers. They resolve around a, 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 a committed group of individuals that are governed by rules and, and structure and regulations and so forth. But their goal is to continue the life of the family. To keep each other healthy, to keep each other whole, to keep each other sound, to keep each other going, support each other, make sure that, that you know there's a future that everybody knows that they can hold on to. All of that comes to us by the Holy Spirit. That sense of knowing that we belong comes to us by the Holy Spirit. It's not just a bunch of people who have a blood tie and they go their separate ways. We understand that we have a common goal as Christians and we are working toward a common goal. And that goal is to sustain the life of God's family and to increase it. Just like it is with a normal family. It's to sustain the life of the current members of the family and to increase it. So you see your children grow up. You see them get married. You see them have families etc. etc. Is for promoting life and promoting increase. And so as Christians we go out and make disciples out of all men. We, we get other believers to know the Lord. We pray for people to demonstrate that God is real. We do all of those things. Just like a real family does but we're a spiritual family the Holy Spirit then works to tie us together in love and in peace and in unity and he he works to break down barriers that keep people orphans we're not orphans he didn't leave us that way in John chapter let's see which one it is John 14 um is it um am i in john 14 now yeah yeah let me start in uh where did i want to say oh i'm sorry i am at 14 you know i had it written down twice okay 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 mm-hmm yeah, you know what? Um, I had another version. Do you you have your uh, Bible? Uh, try the what's the ESV? What is that? Everyday everyday version, everyday standard, the Peeps version of oh, an eighteen. All right, and it says here now. He says in fifteen, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now ask the Father; He'll give you another Helper, Comforter to be with you forever even the spirit of truth and the world can't receive him because the world rejects truth you all know that he says but you know him because he'll dwell in you so in other words this is somebody who's a friend to you already the holy spirit knows how to make himself at home in the worst desperado the apostle paul said he was chief he was the chief sinner and the Holy Spirit made his abode in him. 
And he says in verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. That's the one thing about children in foster care and in orphanages. Nobody's ever coming for them. You got me? I've never felt like that but I'm sure it's a horrible feeling. I always knew my parents were somewhere there and they wanted me. And he says yet a little while and the world will see me no more but you'll see me. Because I live you also live. That's family. Huh? My my mother used to always say things like... uh, well I don't care how bad things I I got a brother and sister and I know if they got stuff on the table I got something you know what I'm saying if if this brother I'm married to don't work it out right I got family somewhere and I you know, that's what you always feel about your siblings. You know, if they got food, you got food. They got clothes, you got clothes. They got place to you got something. You know, that's just the way it is. Because there's that assurance there that you're not alone. You're never alone. God gives you that through the Holy Spirit. He makes you know companionship. He makes you know you're wanted. I don't care how much we try to fight it with our self-pity and our nonsense. And thinking about times where we, we lonely. We don't have, you're not alone. Just cut it out. Cut it out. Get yourself off the front burner. And allow God to take the forefront so he can show you who you really are. He leads us. And he guides us in the truth. The truth is that you're accepted in the beloved of God. You're accepted as a close inner circle of God. You know people get into places and because they they feel on the outside. Well that's just a feeling. God's got you accepted already. He just wants you to pay attention to him and get off yourself. Get off your feelings. Get off your your mindset. Your old thoughts that keep dragging you back into the past. And things that happened to you. There's nothing happened to you that hadn't happened to other people. It's a common thing that happens to us. Common. It's common for people to be rejected. It's common for people to be left alone. It's common for people to be divorced. It's common for people to, to die and leave us here by ourselves. That's common to man. You understand me? Your case is not extraordinary. But God. The Holy, that's the, you know, loneliness is not the end of the sentence for you. You need to put a comma and say, but God. I was lonely, but God. I was feeling sorry for myself, but God. See, there's a pride in us that makes us think that we're entitled to something whenever we want it. Then when we don't want it, we don't want to take care of it. A lot of the situations that happen to us happen by our own neglect sometimes. You understand me? You know, you had a good husband, a good whatever way, and didn't take care of it. You had a good job, you had a good relationship with your kids, and wouldn't spend any time with them. Sit up and feel sorry for yourself. Come on now. Many of the things we play into. Some things we don't play into. Other people's weakness force us into situations of rejection. Where they can't handle the responsibility of whatever we presented to them in life. 
there's still no excuse to drag that around into your new life in Christ. The Holy Spirit's trying to show you. I'm making up for that. I'm giving you so many more years of being in a family that you were asked to come into. You didn't choose God. He chose you. You said yes to his choosing. None of this was your idea. You couldn't think up nothing this good. Even on your most intelligent day. <laughs> on your most and best intelligent day you couldn't think of anything this good. You And we most of us don't have a clue yet. I know I'm going along for the ride most days. Huh? I don't know what's coming. I'm not sure what's going. But I know the Holy Ghost and I know he's going to get me on my... Oh, my, my right thing that I belong on. I'm holding on. Amen. <laughs> but this orphan spirit that that's, is very prevalent in the world now. You know, where people just don't feel, uh, you know, it's me against the world. I got to take care of myself. Nobody. Uh, and, and, and many times people wind up being lawless people because of this this mentality. I'm being unloved, uncared for. Nobody looks out for me. So I have to look out for myself and do things the best way I can. Uh, You know, that's a spirit that was on Ishmael. If you want to see what the orphan spirit does in its extreme, look at the Muslim terrorists. Those are the descendants of Ishmael. And the Bible says that that his hand will be against every man. In other words there will never be a group of people that he'll be able to have covenant with. He'll be able to be loyal to. He'll have peace with and have friendship with. He's always going to oppose everybody that comes near him. And so they kill you if you don't serve their, their quote unquote God. They kill you. And so his hand is against every man. Well that's the orphan spirit. Even though God gave him an inheritance. He did not have a father. And so God wants us to have the promise of the father. This the Holy Spirit promises us. We have a father in heaven who loves us. Who cares. He makes that so real to us. He makes it so real. You can want to hold on to to your old ways of nobody loves me and I didn't have this growing up and I didn't have that growing up. And God will bombard you with the power of the Holy Spirit in such a way that you got to cave into that. You can't you can't resist the love of God. You can't fight that. When God comes into your heart and into your life, he just Pushes everything out. God's so big. He's got to put. You got to make room for him. And what you don't make room for. He makes room for himself. Huh? He'll push everything out the way. So that he can get a comfortable seat on the altar of your heart. Huh? I had. I think it was. I don't know who it was. A relative of ours. Or maybe an uncle or somebody. And he would come in. And, and you know he'd find himself a seat. Just start moving stuff out the way. And make himself comfortable. And sit right on down. That's the Holy Spirit. You don't, you don't prepare a place. You don't give him his place. He takes his seat in your life. And he does it for that purpose. To let you know that the one who is in charge is here now. He takes charge of your life. 
most of us don't don't want somebody to take charge. We want to dole out little pieces. Listen, this is God we're talking about. You don't give him what he what you think you want to give him. You've already given him everything. You're just fooling yourself into thinking you can hold on to it. Huh? That's why God has a word for people who, who don't stay true to him. You know, he calls us unfaithful, adulterers, whores, whatever. Because we have already given over to him control of our lives, yet we think we still have some. Let's say it again. When you receive Christ, you've given him, because he comes in no other way. You've already given him, relinquished control of your life to him, yet you are tricking yourself into thinking that you still have some control over it of course until you get into trouble you know when you run into a brick wall with that attitude then you're crying out to him but he was in control all the time you know he's in control all the time so that orphan spirit God promises not to leave us as orphans in verse 25 Jesus says verse 14 now let me just read from uh, 23 Jesus answered and said unto him if a man loves me he will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode in him we'll just set up residence in him Not don't just give me a little chair somewhere but I set myself up in your life God sets himself up in our lives folks that's why you can't make plans after you come into the kingdom of God. You don't know what's coming. Uh, all you all you can do is hold on for the ride. That's 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 my best advice to anybody. You don't know what's coming. I never thought I would be a minister, a preacher. I used to make fun of people like me. You understand me? You don't dream up stuff like that. Nobody sits. I mean, unless they just you know, a lot whacked. But you don't just dream of being a minister it's a sacrificial life folks you know it might you might think it's fun or you know oh they get in front of people it it ain't what it's cracked up to be it's a sacrificial life if you do it the right way see if you're really really a minister of the gospel a minister of god's word this is a life that you you put everything on hold for this you don't do what you want to do even as a believer you can't do everything you want to do when you want to do it you got to find out what your place is in God's kingdom and follow suit (laughs) fall in as they say he says he that loves me verse 24 he that does not he that loves me not does not keep my word and the word which you hear is not mine but the father's who sent me so Jesus says I'm just I'm not the one who originates the plan and the idea I'm the one who speaks it and carries it out he said but the father is the one who has the ultimate plan for your life these things have I spoken to you being yet present with you but the comforter which is the Holy Ghost who the father will send in my name whenever the name of Jesus is said you know why demons tremble because the Holy Ghost shows up whenever Jesus name is mentioned in reverence and in faith the Holy Spirit comes to be present in that situation and he says he will teach you 
all things. Oh, thank God I have somebody to explain life to me. I have somebody to give me understanding of all this stuff that's going to somebody tell me what the plan for my life is. Why I've always felt like I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do. And now maybe I have a possibility of finding what I'm really supposed to be doing in life. He'll teach you everything. There is nothing that the Holy Spirit will not teach you. I don't care what it is from how to mop your floor correctly, how to do your laundry right, what what spices to put in food and what it's going to do for that food. All, all that inspiration comes from God. He made everything. If people have any ability, any gifts, it's because of the working of the Spirit of God on their, their minds. Where you meditate and you try to seek for answers. He's the world's teacher. Could teach your kids how to, you know, you, you look at everybody looks at the, uh, the uh, Duggar family. You know, the 19 kids and counting. You know, they say that to make everybody nervous, I think. You know. <laughs> They're real calm about it, but everybody else, you keep counting. Right? Keep counting. We ain't done yet. You know, they're like a little threat there. But anyway, all those kids play instruments, intelligent, homeschooled, every single one of them. I saw one, one girl, she was practicing for something, and she was sitting between two pianos. And was playing both of them. You understand what I'm saying? I mean not just chopsticks all day long. But really knowing how to play instruments. All of her kids play instruments. They all sing. They're, they're all you know. And they're interested in being um, uh, witnesses for Christ, bringing glory to God. I mean, that's they're they're mindful all the time that they represent God. And so, don't tell me the Holy Spirit can't teach you how to manage a houseful instead of being like Honey Boo Boo, everybody running around the house making mud slides and laying around in the mud, and you know what I'm saying. You know, you get all these extremes on television. You know, you look at some things, you just cringe. You say, how do people, I mean, what possesses you to just not put up any effort in your life like that? And then let people come put a camera on you all day long and follow you around doing that. But you know, you you compare that and you see the work of the Holy Spirit. You understand me? Where he's taught these parents the word of God and taught them how to apply the word of God to the lives of their family, to the children, to everybody that they come into contact with. They're able to express God's self. Why? Because they spent time with the Holy Spirit teaching them the truth that they're able. And I don't know that they're spirit filled. You understand? Just just the understanding that they have of what they want from God. Being able to raise godly children, respectful children, who respect one another, respect their peers, respect everybody that they get around. 
and they're able to live a normal life depending upon God to inspire them. Now they have a church and, and groups of other believers that are very similar in, in their beliefs. But think of how, <laughs> you know I look at that and I think to myself, man, if you could get a church full of people like that. Think what you could do. I mean just what they can do in, in the way they influence the world around them for good. If we all started to really live this Bible like we're and let the Holy Spirit teach you. We don't have to all do the same thing the same way. But if we could all be committed to allow the Holy Spirit to teach us all things. Teach you how to teach your children how to play instruments. I don't know how to play them but I know it's, a, it's something I want my kids to know. And then he'll have you. He'll start opening doors for you to do it if you'll go through them. What happens to many of us is the door opens and we still we want to know what's next and what's next and what's next. Instead of using our faith to go through what's open now and do what's necessary on this side of the open door. And then look for more after we've accomplished what's on this side of the door. Too busy trying to figure out where the problem is going to come up. That's what it is. We're all looking for trouble. Instead of looking for a blessing. The Holy Spirit also is your mind. He will help you remember things. He brings to your remembrance whatever God says to you. He'll help you remember the right stuff and not the wrong stuff. You go looking for trouble and problems. He won't help you. But if you start looking for the things that God has for you, you get all the help in the world you need from the Holy Ghost. He will bring to your remembrance. See, this is your anti-Alzheimer's scripture. This is your anti-ADD, AHD, FGK scripture for young. I mean, this goes young to old. They're young people with brain problems. You know, I sit and listen to television. I thought to myself, I said, did these people say what I thought they said? There's a uh, uh, 1-800-BAD-DRUG lawyer. Lawyers advertise now. So they have a drug that they know was commonly given to young people. Boys with attention deficit disorder that causes female body traits. Now this is real disturbing to me. You know this has maybe a lot to do with the the increase in homosexuality. Sexual confusion because no doubt there's female hormones in this stuff. I mean that that just don't come in there for no reason. That ain't a normal side effect. That's some kind of steroid they're giving them. You know you take your kid because they're. Listen what you need to do is get your Bible. People are going to so want the word of God. Trust me. Because you they don't right now they don't trust the medical profession. They don't trust the government. They don't trust anybody. And people are going to so be driven to trust God because there's nobody else out here. See we used to not go to church and shun God and God's people because we could always go to the doctor and get our answer. We can go someplace else and they can't trust them now. 
You know, for years people have wanted to get their kids. I don't understand. You know, when he used to play and almost be normal, but but he was bouncing off the wall, and I give him not. He doesn't do anything. He sleeps all days. A zombie. See, the Holy Spirit won't do that to you. God won't do that to you. He won't give you side effects. There's no side effects from the word except getting better. The only thing it will help you do is get better and better and better. The Holy Spirit is also our unifier as a family. He draws us back together. When you're estranged from God, you get a bright idea and you run off somewhere and it it don't pan out. Guess who finds you and brings you back? Takes you by the hand and leads you back to God. Huh? Just like just like if one of your kids got lost somewhere. You know, I remember when we were children, neighbors looked out for each other's kids. If you you know, we had a little block that we were allowed to play on. And there was a family that lived in the last apartment on that block. And if they saw you getting ready to cross, where you going? Your mama know you going across? Yeah, she told me. I, where you going? They they made sure that children were looked out for, and they weren't eyeballing your children to take advantage of them. See, now you can't even trust your. You don't even know who your neighbor is. You can't trust most of them. But the Holy Spirit does that. Why? Because we need watching over. We'll wander off in a minute and, and start doing the wrong thing. Eating the wrong spiritual food or eating no spiritual food. You understand me? And so the Holy Spirit will grab you and yank you back into a good reality. He keeps us together as our counselor. He'll talk to you and explain to you what God's doing in your life. You think God ain't moving fast enough. You think he's not fair about this. Why is this happening to me? You don't want to know that. You really don't want to know the reason why. You just want to get out of it. Okay. We'll talk about more later. But he convinces us as our counselor. He's the one who convinces us to stay in the will of God. And not quit on God. Not, Not walk away from what God has for us. He convinces us. And he doesn't stop until we're convinced. You got me? Just like he has he has to convince us when we have symptoms in our body. He has to convince us that we're healed. In spite of the symptoms. See before the symptom came you were running around telling everybody you're healed. Now we got symptoms and uh don't uh you got to still you know. And he'll convince you. He's the convincer. When he when we stray away from God, he reminds us of our vows to God by ministering truth to us. Remember what you said you wanted from God. Remember you wanted this and wanted that. That can still happen. Can tell you there's all kinds of possibilities. We have the spirit of adoption. Galatians four tells us that we have received of the Holy Spirit the spirit of adoption. He reassures us, not just calling us sons and daughters, but reassures us of our adoption. Reassures us of it. He seals us unto the day of redemption. Romans 8, let me see where I have that one here. 
Romans 8.14 For as many as, as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You can be uh, have a relationship or papers of adoption by God but not being led by him. You're verified as a son of God by being led by the Spirit of God. You know if your children, if you give birth to children they never live with you. Who's taking care of them. So you see that a lot with, with children who, well that's my biological but my dad that raised me, you got me? So we got to be led by the Spirit of God. Stay with God. Be under his roof, under his care, under his rules and under his authority. See? And, and that's the place where you are to remain and abide because outside of that there's no help for you. See, you, you get out there and get eaten up by wolves. Huh? If you're not in the place of your adoption with your father, who's who's legally your father, huh? That's the best place for you to be. A lot of times, you know, you'll see situations where children will have uh, birth parents that can't take care of them, and then later on in life, <clears throat> they want to know who they are. They want to have relationship, and those things seldom work out. Because you don't know them, they didn't raise you. They got different rules. They got different ideas. They got different. Everything's different. I was watching this. Um, oh, geez, probably one of my <laughs> bad people is Rachel called bad people shows or something. This woman was on there, and she had uh, finally got it. She said, "I was so excited." Um, well, my, my mother raised my son. I, I didn't get a chance to raise him. Never said why. But he came to live with her. And within a month he, he was murdered. Within a month. And she should have left him with grandma. You understand? She left him there. See, at this point... He's like uh, in his, he's like 18 years old. 17 or 18. Just graduating from high school. He falls in with a group of young people, next door neighbors. She doesn't know them because she doesn't have children. How, how would she know them? She she don't know they're the worst kids. They're drug addicts. They're murderers and everything. The Holy Spirit lets you know where you belong. He leads you to follow God and not follow. The lion or the bear, not follow somebody else that you can get devoured. You understand me? The safest place is to be led by the Spirit of God. And He releases the Spirit of adoption where you know God is your Father. You know He's your Father. You have no doubt. You know He's good. He'll do good for you. You can go to Him for anything. And He'll always be there to provide for you. He gives you that reassurance. He gives you the assurance that that God's not worn out with us. You know, he's not through with us. He's not, we're not washed up. We're not done. We're not, it's not over. He gives you that reassurance. You know, you may get an idea that that God doesn't want you to have this anymore because it's taken so long. Those things happen to us all the time. But somehow, some way down in you, eventually you come right back to believing God. Why? That's the Holy Spirit convincing you. 
somehow he got your attention and began to convince you that it's still possible that God's you've just walked away and you've gotten under the influence of a different spirit a different mindset whatever it is and then he'll pull you out from under that and lead you by the hand into the spirit of truth into the realm of truth into the spirit of God where truth is more real to you than your goofy ideas about how much you've messed up or how little God wants for you to have this kind of stuff you know and so the Holy Spirit really ties us in to the good things of God. He exhorts us to continue serving God when we get faint. He just spurs us along. We thought we were tired. We thought we'd given up. We thought it wasn't possible anymore. But then he just, come on, get on up. It's a new day. He helps us by energizing us. One of the words for comforter, one word is nourisher. So we know that he provides spiritual food for us. He provides the word. It energizes us and strengthens us. So even if you need somebody to spoon feed you the word, the Holy Spirit does that. You feel like a little baby today. You feel like, I can't get up. I can't do nothing. It's just so weak. I just, I'm just giving up. He'll baby you just to help you. You got me? He knows how to reach us where we are. But once he gets you fed, baby. Get up off your, <laughs> get off your bed of affliction. And let's get with it. You're not going to stay down. No I'm not feeding you like a baby every day. Are you kidding me? You can do better. And so he allows us to get that strength to get up and go do the will of God. He helps us by energizing us. And he prompts us to pray in him. He says you don't know how to handle this one. You don't know what you need. You don't need know what your problem is even. But I will pray through you to energize you and strengthen you. And give you assurance that your answer is coming. Your answer is coming. Well, we don't know what we need. Romans 8.26 tells us he makes intercession for us according to the will of God. So there's no such thing as I don't feel like praying. I don't know what to pray for. He helps our weaknesses. Hmm? Gives us what to pray for. He makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. You don't feel like forming the words. Well I'll just groan through you. Huh? Pathetic little things that we are sometimes we still have help. <laughs> You're not totally helpless. So as as our strengthener and our nourisher, our comforter, the one who bears witness, he is our advocate. He goes to bat for us and goes to bat through us. He's always showing us that there's more possibilities, more things to do. There's more, more, more. What you're going through is only a temporary setback in your life. Because of where you are mentally more than anything else. It's not about your circumstances. It's about how you, what you think about them. You know, quit letting the devil tell you what to think. Huh? Just leave him alone. And let the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of truth. That's, that's what we need, folks. We need truth. 
And we need more people believing the truth. And we need more people preaching the truth. And we need more people standing for truth. And once the Holy Spirit gets dominion like that in the earth, there's no stopping God's people from getting the the job done. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding and for all the possibilities that we have in the Holy Spirit. He's a spirit of great possibilities. We know with you all things are possible. They're always possible to those who believe. So we thank you, Father, that the Holy Spirit of promise is promised to us and he's in us. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here for us. We ask you to help us get more control. Give you more control in our lives so our lives can be better and better and better. They can never be too good in God. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God. Amen. If anybody needs prayer, come on up.